Welcome to Come Follow Me On The Go. My name is Kylie, and this podcast is designed for families and children that are in the car and on the go. Each podcast episode, I will be sharing stories and scriptures from the Come Follow Me lesson plans. In addition, discussion questions are provided so families can pause the podcast to discuss and grow closer to Christ and closer together as a family while you are in the car and on the go. Okay, welcome back to Come Follow Me on the Go. This week we are in Thessalonians 1 and 2, and we're going to start with just some fun facts that I found out while studying for this week. Um, the first fun fact is that this these books are thought to be Paul's earliest letters that he wrote to converts. And it is also, Thessalonians is thought to be possibly the oldest book in the New Testament. So how cool is that. I loved those facts. But let's just dive right in. Paul's writings, the first book of Thessalonians, takes place when Paul is like wanting to go and visit the Thessalonians, but he writes in this letter, the adversary is thwarting his ability to go and visit. So instead, he sends Timothy with a letter. But that in and of itself to me was such a cool lesson. Paul didn't just like throw up his hands and surrender his attempt to go and check on the Thessalonian converts, he continued in faith and found a way to achieve his Christ-centered goal and didn't let the adversary stop him, right? He found an alternative route or route to check on the Thessalonians by writing a letter and sending Timothy since he could not personally go. So with that, I have my first question is, If you have a problem or an obstacle or a roadblock in your path of a worthy goal, what are some of the physical and spiritual tools that Heavenly Father has given you and us in this lifetime to be able to find alternative means to achieving that goal? Okay, a large chunk of 1 Thessalonians is actually just full of Paul raving about them and complimenting them. In verses 5 and 6, he said that they paid like very good attention. They were very careful to give attention to the apostles and teachers that came to convert them. And they're now emulating them like they paid such close attention and now they're duplicating that. And he said by doing that, by emulating Christ, with the joy of the gospel also came hard times, right? A lot of times we know when we're on the right path, we also get challenges and we grow from them. But he said that didn't stop you guys. You've continued to have joy in your hard times. And he let them know that other believers are looking up to them. He said, everyone knows, like in the whole region, that you guys are echoing Christ. He says that people actually tell Paul about the Thessalonians, how the Thessalonians abandoned their idols, they embraced God, that they're marveling about how these people are so faithful and awaiting the second coming of Christ. And this ties really well into like last week's lesson of how we should let people know that we're followers of Christ. What are some of the ways that we do let people know that we are followers of Christ?
Okay, we also get to see a snippet of the conversion story of the Thessalonians. So in chapter 1, verses 5, we get a glimpse of their story. And Paul says that the gospel came to them in word, in spirit, and in power, and in assurance. So word, right? It came, it was preached to them, and we get the word through also prophets and apostles and bishops and talk. But we also have the written word. And then spirit, like the Holy Ghost testified and confirmed to them the truth of the gospel. In power, Bruce R. McConkie expounded on this scripture and he or explained it. And he said, power as in power of the priest. And then assurance. So I looked up and dug into this a little bit. And assurance can mean like personal conviction or being sure and firm. So these Thessalonians took the word and the spirit and the power and it gave them conviction and drive and confidence to follow Christ and to stay on that path. And in the version of the Bible called The Message, it is described in such a fun way, but it said the Holy Ghost put still in their conviction and still is like a hard metal, right? So they weren't going to bend and break. They were solid in their confidence in Christ. So imagine your conviction to be in Christ to be like a superpower or a special kind of treasure. If you had to use words to describe how strong or amazing it is to you, what words would you use? Okay, so we're going to transfer into chapter four, but we'll probably still bop around a little bit. But after what felt like three chapters of compliments to the Thessalonians, Paul does give them a little bit of advice. So in verse four, he tells them to study how to stay calm, to learn how to like mind your own business, and to work with your hands to provide for yourself. I loved everything about that. It hit home for me. But I especially loved, as I was doing just our weekly chores, the thought of working with your hands to provide for yourself. So just think about your week and what have you done to work with your hands? And did it bring you a sense of accomplishment and joy when you were done? So for instance, we spent a lot of our time the last few weeks, like collecting food from the garden and making pickles or dehydrating things, cleaning out the garden, planting garlic back in the garden so it's ready for spring. So that was one example of how we worked with our hands this week that brought joy and fulfillment into our home. Okay, so in verse 3, Paul has become aware of some of the worries of the Thessalonians about their loved ones who have passed away and didn't know about Christ or weren't converted to Christ yet. So Paul provides them comfort for those grieving and concerned about the eternal welfare. He reminds them that Christ broke the bands of death and that we will be reunited with our loved ones. And then... He actually, we're going to jump back into chapter two, but one other little thing that he taught them is how to serve and be a missionary. He explained to them that you have to do it out of love 
and not out of duty. And he even explains that like they came to them out of love for Christ and love for them and for no benefit or reward for themselves. But he gives a lovely example of this. He says, we came to you and we were not only willing to teach you the gospel, but we would have given our very souls over for you. Like we love you that much. And President Dallin H. Oaks actually shared a really good story about this. He talked about how when we were still, we're still doing it, but it has a new name. But when we were visit, visiting teaching, you reported and you always wanted to get that 100%, right? You ministered to your families and you checked on them. And that was his goal. Like his focus was to get 100% on that task. And one month, it was coming to the end of the month, probably about the last day. And he called somebody that he visited and he said, can we come over and visit with you. And that person told him no. He was like, I'm already in my pajamas. I'm relaxed. I'm comfortable. I'm reading my book. I don't want to host you just so that you can report 100% on your visiting. And Dallin H. Oaks talks about how that like was a bee sting to him. He was like, oh, ouch. And he realized I have been going about this all wrong and it totally shifted his mindset of I have to be serving and ministering and doing missionary work out of love for that person because I genuinely care, not because I want to check off a box. So does anybody have any ideas? Like how do we grow a desire to love those around us and want to serve them? Okay, one really short and simple line of advice that Paul gave them is to hold fast to that which is good. So sometimes I have found in my life, I have to let go of something good in order to hold on to something better, right? The whole idea of good, better, best. Is there anything that you are really good at holding on to already? And is there anything you want to hold on tighter to? Maybe you have to let go of something, but chat about that with your family. Okay, so now we're going to move into Thessalonians 2. And this letter is written after Timothy has come back and has reported that like they are still so strong in the faith, but we do know that Paul ended up having to clear up some misconceptions in this letter. So one of the things that we know is that there seems to have been fraudulent, which just means fake letters being sent out. Whoever was writing these letters made it seem like Paul was the author. And it was telling people that Christ had already come, like the second coming had already happened. And it was starting to confuse people. So Paul wrote this letter to clear all that up. So Paul, in order to clear this up, actually described some of the clues of when the second coming or ways to know the second coming is happening or has happened. Um, but he says there'll be like flaming vengeance on the wicked. And he says there'll be apostasy. So a lot of people will fall away. In his first letter to the Thessalonians, he also described the second coming and he tells them it'll come 
as a thief in the night, but that we are children of the light. So like we will not be blindsided. We will clearly know that Christ has returned because we're watching for him. Okay, I have a couple questions for this section. One is, can you recall a correction or clarification that a prophet or apostle recently made at conference? And two, what are some of the things that we can look forward to with the second coming of Christ? that is all that I have for this week. Thank you for joining me. I hope that your families were able to grow closer together and closer to Christ while you were in the car and on the go. 